This podcast is proudly brought to you by Nuova Simonelli. Hello and welcome to episode the 79th of Tamper Tantrum. My name is Colin Harmon. I'm joined by Steve Layton, who's calling us on the line from Stafford in the UK. How are you, Stephen? Hello, Colin. Yes, I'm very good, thank you. I am, uh, it's very nice to talk to you. It's been a while. I was trying to think about the last time we did one. Yeah, no, we're not friends anymore, Stephen. Oh. We've discussed this. Oh, yeah, okay. Is that since you've become a Billy Big Boots author? I am an author now. I am a published author. Self-published author. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now, how's that been? Like, you, you've been very, very busy. Uh, it's been great, yeah. I've been really enjoying um, just like I, I, I had this. We we'll get to London Coffee Festival uh, later, but I had this um, this pretty surreal moment where I was at the London Coffee Festival, and the first person that, that bought a book off me said, uh, "Can you sign it?" And I went, "Really?" And they're like, "Yeah." Went, oh, okay. So I signed the book, and then the next person says, "Would you mind signing it?" And I went, "Oh, okay." So that went on and on and on. I signed like 60, 70 books, right? And I was like, "This is weird." And then I picked up like the seventy first book, and a dude went. Uh, he goes, he's oh great, thanks very much. And I was like, there. I said, do you want me to sign it? And he went, looked at me really confused, went, uh, no. That <laughs> 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 was like the one time I ask. <laughs> so, on a similar topic, when at London Coffee Festival, I was doing um, I did a presentation um, uh, in the, their lab, and um, I, I I announced that I was also going to write a book just because you had. Um, and um, I announced the price as well and it's actually going to be a pound cheaper to have a signed one than if you want a non-signed one because I want to write <laughs> in them all I want to scribble in everybody's book and just feel really important I think that's awesome I think that's really cool when somebody wants you to I always remember in the Tampa Tantrum in uh, uh, Taipei like when I came off stage I signed about 200 autographs like it was mental like selfies, and it was like, it wasn't just like a few people, it was like a whole mass of people, like, just couldn't get off the stage, and I was like, oh, I feel really good, and then about an hour later, Hoffman came off stage, and the whole audience just went and stood around him and made me feel really, really bad, um, it Aww. was just like, but like, it's, a, it's scary, isn't it, when people come up to you and say, oh, can I have a photo, or like, it happened all the time on the stand at London Coffee Festival, and like, why do you want a photo? I look like a bag of shit. Um, <laughs> maybe they thought you were Ed Sheeran. Maybe, maybe. It's uh, it happens a lot, gingerist. Um, <laughs> but no, it, it, uh, no, it's really strange when that happens. I I I don't know. I never know, quite know how to respond. Of like, yes, of course, which makes you bombish on your t-shirts. That's usually a good response. Is it excellent? Yeah. Okay, yeah, definitely. I'll keep that in 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 mind. So, how did the launch go? Because you did a launch in Dublin, didn't you? Yeah. So um, we. So we set, yeah, we, we put up tickets on, online, like they're free tickets, but it's just a, to get an idea of how many people are going to come. Yeah. So uh, like 150 of them went, and I was like, oh, this is Dublin. I'm going to get like six people show up, you know, just because, yeah, Irish people are great. It's like, yeah, yeah, I'll definitely do that. And we don't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is hilarious. you got to love us. Uh, so it turned up on the night, and uh, I couldn't believe it. Everybody was there, and probably more, and it went really, really well. And... Um, yeah, since then it's been great. So I did a radio interview this morning for RTE, which is Radio Television Ireland, uh, which is a national broadcaster here. And then I did some. I've done a newspaper interview. It's going tomorrow, and then there might be some TV stuff next week. And the website's been flying. So we kind of secretly launched our international shipping without telling anybody on the same week as the the book goes out. So it's the first time we've ever shipped stuff internationally. We've never done any international stuff before. So we have. Um, kind of a, a below-the-counter trade of uh, EK43 dolls that I'm sure most people have seen around the world. Mm. And people email us and then we send them a PayPal link and then we just ping them to them and um, probably lost money sending them as well, I'd say. Yes. But um, uh, they, they, yeah, the international shipping is just up and running now and it's really weird because you see like people go, I'll have a book and I'll buy a bag of coffee and it's like, oh, wow, look at that. That's because very cool. We've never done it before and it's kind of scary. So, um, so it's nice to have the two of them going at the same time and... The book is finding homes all over the world, and it's like I think I'm just really worried. Having not done international shipping before, my biggest worry is that they're just going to get lost somewhere. But it's nice to see every time we pick up Instagram, there's another picture of another book in another country, and it's 
yeah, it's been, um, it's been, it's been, yeah, kind of uh, surreal, I think is the word I'm going to use for it. Well, as I, as I was telling to you off mic, I, um, I, I got my copy this morning. I'm still trying to read out what the writing is inside, um, but um, <laughs> I, I'm sure it's bad words. Uh, that's actually just a stamp, and it doesn't say anything, so it just means that, like, uh, whatever idiots around the world get the book, they just look at it and think it says something about them. No, actually, so, no, I, actually, I can read it now. No, 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 seriously, so it says, to James, thank you for... <laughs> <laughs> um, I, yeah, no, I, I've had a lot of criticism about my handwriting. Um, have, have you had any criticism about the content? Because in the back, there is a, there is a factual error. What's that now, Stephen? You were working as a waitress in the cocktail bar when I found you. That much is false, Stephen. That much is true. I picked you up, I turned you around. <laughs> <sighs> Never gets old, that one. Nope, no, no, no. I, the amount of people I've... I must have hung around a lot of cocktail bars, though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm going to plead the fifth on that one. The, um, you know, the, it was, the feedback's been good, although people never tell you if they hate it, so... Um, but um, I've had a lot of nice messages from people that run coffee shops, and that's um, been very uh, touching, you'll say. So I, I, was, I was at the Brewers' Cup on Wednesday. Uh, you can ask me about it later, Carl. But I was talking to, uh, oh gosh, previous Tampa Tantrum speaker at uh, Cup North, uh, Alison Bell. Yeah. Alison Bell, yeah. Um, and she was, like, waxing lyrical about your book. She was very, very impressed. And, um, yeah, she was saying that you actually responded to an email, which I asked her what a trick was, because I've never had a response to one of, your e- <laughs> one of the, my emails. Um, but yeah, have you had a lot of that of people following up afterwards and asking you questions and stuff? Yeah. <laughs> well, I've actually had a lot of emails that, that broadly fall into two categories, okay? The yeah. first category is, hey, how are you? Usually followed by, haven't seen you in ages. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, would we be able to meet up and have a chat about how to publish a book? Okay. And then the second uh, category of emails is, hey, I read your book. It has lots of great advice for running coffee shops. Do you have any advice for running coffee shops? <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me. Do you remember the the list in, in Dublin when we did the yes. list of all the places? Oh, yes, got, oh the list this. is brilliant. Have you got any recommendations of places to go? And you're like, what? What did, what did you look at the list? Because <laughs> no, no, the secret ones that you didn't tell everybody else. Yeah, yeah. So come on, Colin. You must there. have some secrets of running coffee shops that you didn't put in the book for the special people like me. Oh, those ones. No, the ones in the book are just decoy tips. They don't fucking work. Okay, nice, nice. I like your style. I thought it was yeah. a bit shit. Uh, that makes yeah. sense now. Telling you. So I think we, I we have we have a distributor. Uh, so coffee counts are distributing it in Asia and um, Middle East, and then I think we're sending stuff to like America. But I'd like to nail down a, a distributor for the America and South America, and I'm gonna have to. Um, figure some stuff out for Australia as well because that's uh, proving a little bit um, more expensive to get there than we wanted so I need to figure something out there. can but Cosimo not do great. that for you? you Cosimo's getting yeah I'm, I've already sent him some books already so um, he's getting um, I think five or six boxes of them so he's uh, that'll keep him going for a while so but yeah it's going um, it's going very well I'm delighted very and uh, it's uh, it feels good I suppose which is the, the main thing so you brushed on it already lightly, but let's go more into it. Let's talk about London Coffee Festival because uh, I don't think you actually went. Why is that, now, Stephen? Well, because I went on the Saturday and the Sunday, and you weren't there. I was there on the Thursday and the Friday. Mm. How yeah, did remember? your flight booking go for that one? Uh... <laughs> yeah. Uh, we don't need to talk about that. You have a history of this. So I actually don't have a history of that. No, I'm actually very good at that, Stephen. Well, what about the last time you were over here for Cup North? When you brought me back to the wrong airport. When you watched Birmingham whiz past and didn't say anything to me. <laughs> I actually, honestly, I genuinely think they're the only two like flight incidents that I have. So basically, I, I booked a flight out on the same day that I flew in. Um, which wouldn't be ideal, so I had to change it, but it was fine. I noticed a few days in advance, that it, well, actually, my friend noticed a few days in advance. Mm. But um, it's mad, like the show, okay, this is the weird thing about the show, right? The show was absolutely rammed, right? Yeah. 
Like, how many people go to it? There's like 40,000 people or something? I think it was 22,000 a couple of years ago, but I don't know what they're saying now. 40,000 people. That's a lot of people. Where have you got 40,000 from? I just like the way it sounds. Um, so we have 40,000 people visit the London Coffee Festival. And, um, they <laughs> fake news! Uh, fake news! I like, I like the people that are there, the cool people, and I just, I just walk, I can't, because like, when I was there the Thursday, Friday, that's like, it's, you know, it's, it's an industry day, and then the Saturday, Sunday is, is the, the consumer-facing day. I don't, I don't get why, it's, it's, I just, it, the mind boggles how that many people can go, you know? Like, it's yeah. not like, if you go to a beer festival, okay, like, I'd go to a beer festival, because you could try a few different beers, you know what I mean? Yeah. But you wouldn't do that with coffee, though, would you? I think people did. Yeah, I can't get my head around it. I'm not saying it's a bad idea or that they're bad people. I just, I can't see how it, it's that successful. But it clearly is. I'm just missing something. Yeah, I, I think we feel quite differently about it because I really don't like it. Like, I go, I go out of, uh, under duress and because I feel I have to. Um, but I, I really don't enjoy the, the, the festival thing because I think... The kind of the, 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 a lot of the customers that are there, there's some that are, there's an underlying kind of group that are, you know, really enthusiastic, really into it, really interested, and then it seems to me that there's some others walking around who don't aren't really interested in coffee, but probably got a free ticket from somewhere or got some way to get in and like just looking for freebie stuff. So we had a we had a stand with Chemex on. Um, How'd that go? Uh, mm? How'd that go? Uh, I'll come back to that. <laughs> but we'd got the, the new automatic um, and we were just launching it that it's gonna be for sale in the UK and we're gonna be we're gonna be distributing it and isn't this cool? And people were coming up and picking them up and they said, Can I have this? No! No you can't. And like sample tins, like we've got all the coffees weighed out for the for the coffees for the Chemexes. And people just came up, picked them up and walked off. I was like, excuse me, <laughs> that's my coffee I'm brewing with. It was just really weird. Um, I'm definitely sure that I had a, a few books swiped on me. Yeah, I think there is. There's an element of like, have you have you ever been to like a good food show or something like that? We have the like the BBC Good Food Show here, and it's basically an excuse to go around and get free shit. Um, and I think people treat it a little bit like that. And I don't think you know coffee businesses aren't really set up to be like that because they're quite often very small owner operated or you know just a handful of people. You don't you don't give lots of stuff away. You know, you, I don't mind giving coffee away. We gave so much coffee away. But, like, taking an automatic or picking up a Chemex and saying, can I have this? No, you can't. It's weird. I used to do a lot of events um, in before I opened 3FE uh, with Ristretto. You got me this gig. Uh, so we, we'd go and make coffee at um, different uh, trade shows, you know, like medical shows and car shows and stuff. Yeah. And... Um, but I remember, like, that it was just this thing, because everybody's getting the coffee for free, there was just this, like, this, uh, like, unbelievable surge of people just to get free stuff. And all the stands at all these trade shows would be giving away free stuff, and people just going around looking for what they wanted. Now, one of the shows we did was um, was a, a neurology show. So all of these people were literally brain surgeons, okay? So yeah. probably not the poorest demographic of people that you could come across. <laughs> uh, and probably have, you know, a bit of education behind them, you know. So you think, you know, these would be, you know, I suppose what you, uh, what some might call the upper crust of society, you know, the the, the landed gentry. And yeah. these people, um, like myself and Dave Alenik, who uh, from uh, Lane's Espresso were working at, and we were standing there, we were having a chat, and this guy came up and there was hand sanitizer on, on the bar. And he looked around and he picked up the hand sanitizer and dropped it into his bag and ran off. <laughs> like, so we started having this competition to see what could we leave on the counter uh, to see if, they could, if they'd steal it. And it was just ridiculous. Like, people wow. just wanted free stuff. And they t- continually take your tampers or your milk jugs cause, just because they thought it was free. Yeah. It's, it's just it, the weirdest thing. Uh, uh, yeah, so that, that side of it, <laughs> I really don't like so much. Um, but yeah, interestingly, the, with, with the stand, like, Marco had the two trade days, but didn't want to be there for the consumer facing days, which makes sense because they don't really sell, you know, consumer facing. And um, so we said we'd kind of split some of the costs with them of the stand, and we'd take the two consumer days to launch the automatic, which is a uh, uh, Chemex in partnership with Marco making them, and um, and also you know promote 
some of the other things with Chemex. So we, we sold a few Chemexes and papers and stuff like that. But I, I came away from it thinking, how does anybody ever cover the costs of doing these things? Because it just costs so much money. It costs so much money to have the, 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 the staff there, the team there. Um, it costs so much money just to park, to get the things out of the van. It's like, it's chaos, it's hard work. And at the end of it, you just think, well, what did we get out of that? What, what, where's the return on this investment of energy and time? Um, it's hard yeah. to make a lasting impression on people as well because there's so much coffee noise in it that it's hard to make everybody leave the coffee show going, oh, those guys did a great job. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and there is a lot of noise. And I mean, I'm pleased we did it this way and we didn't just have like the, the coffee village stand and serve espresso and all that because I don't think we would have got anything from it. I think what it, what it did, it kind of raised awareness that we're distributing Chemex in the UK and we, we kind of, you know, we, we, we're selling this stuff and it's available and you can buy it. Um, and, and But it was also nice just to like, you know, we could give some brewed coffee away and there was nobody coming up just wanting an espresso or a cappuccino and then walking off. Um, but I, I, I questioned, certainly some of the bigger people there as well, is like, hey, they ever return their investment? I mean... Uh, well, I there was a lot of people that were there last year that weren't there this year. Yeah. Square I was very impressed by um, Union stand. So Union had a really big stand, and that must have cost them a fortune. And there were so many people on it. Like, yeah. s- how did you cover that? It's I don't, even, I don't think I saw it. Anyway. Yeah. But yeah, I remember Baileys weren't there. They were there last year. Square Mile weren't there. They yeah. were there last year. Um, who else? There was a few people I noticed that, that weren't there. I mean, Mazzocco must have spent an absolute fortune. There were 45 machines around that show of theirs. Yeah, was that? It's like, like that, that's crazy. It's just like, and the, the the space they had, and the parties, and the VIP area, and all. It was just like, yeah, I I don't know how you return that money. It's a lot of ping pong tables. It's a lot of ping pong tables. So you're gonna go next year, yeah? Yeah, probably. Yeah, I can't wait. Can't yeah, wait. me too. <laughs> um, usually it's just uh yeah like it's yeah I don't I feel. Fair do like the other thing like okay, we just said all that negative stuff there. Fair fucks to them like seriously hats off to the London Coffee Festival they they really pull it together like yeah. they get that many people into a space and it like it does create an amazing vibe it's obviously great for the coffee industry um so like, I don't really mean to be a downer at all the London Coffee Festival like I would I whatever they're drinking I want to have it you know it's that is they're pulling off a really really incredible show. Oh, for uh, sure. I don't. I don't think it's per se them doing a bad job. I think it's just I don't like coffee festivals. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. And on and on, and on saying that, I'm going to one next weekend. So. Yeah. Where's that name? Glasgow's Coffee Festival. Okay, the Glasgow Coffee Festival. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't think Dublin has one anymore. We had one for a couple of years, and now we don't. Yeah. Maybe Glasgow stole it. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so I'm going up, going up for that. That's um, I, I'm impressed with with what's happened there. So it's it's basically the brainchild of Lisa from Dear Green, um, and she's really thrown herself into it. Um, it's a, a big space. She managed to get lots of cool roasteries involved. Um, she managed to get competitions going there, um, and they they do a really good job. I, it's it's very impressive how they pull it together there. Very impressive. Yeah, seriously. Um, the one big trade show that I have on my horizon is host in October and it comes around every two years and <laughs> is, uh, that is the, the mother of all trade shows I host is just a, it's, it's a monster isn't it I, mean, I don't think anybody can ever get around all of host no people are still trying to get around the last one I think <laughs> what, what wonderful things are going to be launched this year do you think I couldn't possibly tell you couldn't you I could yeah but I get strung up oh. but um it's it's and it, this is not just Nuova Simonelli, um, but it's all Italian espresso machine um, manufacturers tend to like hold everything back or rush everything forward to launch at host. So there's definitely going to be lots of exciting stuff happening at host. Okay, let, let me rephrase it. Instead of what's coming, what would you like to see coming at host? Oh well, you know the uh, well. And so this I'm obviously. I'm obviously involved in the in the in the Mythos project. Of course, and I mean this doesn't mean that it's actually going to be what you have been working on. I'm not trying to set you up to kind of tell us something in there, and people will go, "Oh, well, Colin said this is happening. This is in a dream <laughs> world. What would you like to see happen to the world of coffee? What What's the big innovation you would love to see? Oh, you mean you mean outside of Nova Simonelli and Victoria Dream? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, okay. 
Um, I'm trying to help you out by not stitching you up, Carl. I know it's unusual for you and you're struggling to understand what's happening, but it's okay. You know, automation, I think. Automation yeah. is... is um, is definitely actually. It, I think actually, it's this is going to sound like completely contradictory, and it is. But I, I think what we need to see now is two streams: is automation and like almost like person-specific manual. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that, like, I think that in if you were to ask me, okay, to have an, a punt at where the specialty coffee industry is going to be in ten years' time, okay. Yeah, I would say there would be one stream of like ubiquitous, high quality coffee shops, and lots of them, and mostly big main players. Okay. Yeah. So similar to how like ten years ago you had to go find like you know a small little pub on a back street somewhere that did, in inverted commas, the craft beer, whereas mm-hmm. now you have like the likes of like Weatherspoons or Brewdog. There, like craft beer is easy to come across. You can buy it in an airport. Okay? Yeah. And then the other thing that I think you'll come across is then especially coffee shop that would be like a very expensive, very bespoke, person-specific, kind of like you would go and have coffee by a person. Do you know what I mean? Like a kind of hero dreams of sushi kind of scenario, like similar to Penny University kind of thing where it's like you maybe there's only so many people allowed in and it's like 20 euro cup sort of stuff and it's very small lots individually ground and a machine that is that doesn't have scales and and uh, temps and stuff on it. It's just like it's that person's interpretation of the coffee sort of thing. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, no, for so sure. So I think what we're going to see for the next two or three years is uh, more and more incarnations of, of automation. Like that thing that they showed, the SAA shows, you know, the Akaya thing that weighs out your beans, um, yeah. which is all kinds of hilarious and will sell really well. Yeah. Um, and lots of more scales and grinders and espresso machines, you know, and you like just so much more automation and probably a, a super automatic machine that makes good coffee in the next year or two, I'd say is probably not far off. And then, and then there'll be a backlash, do you know what I mean? And then it'll be a person on a linea or on an Aurelia with, you know, just a hand grinder and, and a story, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's funny you should say that. So uh, I don't know if you saw the Channel 5 thing I did with the Gadget Show. Um, but I basically, basically had a home machine, a DeLonghi home machine, um, a Sage, um, you know, one of the grinder built-in machines that does all the tamping, and um, uh, a bean-to-cup machine. And it was like 100 quid, 500 quid, and 3,000. And the obvious results come out of it of that the, the Sage was the better machine because you had more control over it because it was, you know, you, you could actually change some of the parameters and the grinder was good in it. The bean-to-cut machine was second because, like, do you know what? It was, it was okay, but the grinder wasn't good enough. And then the, the home machine was, you know, a, a steam toy. Um, but I, I sat steam there... Toy. <laughs> but what I, sort of I, toys were you given as a kid? <laughs> <laughs> I lived in Canic. It was stones and sticks and steam things. I'm going to steam, Steve. <laughs> But um, the uh, I sat there after the, the finished recording and I started playing with the uh, the Jura bean to cut machine that's three grand, and it was a nice machine. Like if it did what it was meant to do, it would have been amazing. And all it needed was like a better grinder and a better you know espresso machine inside of it. But they're trying to make all of this automation for three grand when we're buying an espresso machine for twelve grand. You know, and if they spent twelve grand on building a bean to cup machine that was as good inside as a normal espresso machine, I started to think, like, what what could you do? Like, there's no way something that does all of that magicry and trickery inside should be a quarter of the price of a an espresso machine that you would buy for a coffee shop. Um, yeah. And and I'd love to see something like that. That was like a bean to cup machine that was fantastic that was good that you could put stuff in and it would come out tasty because it would fix the whole office coffee thing it would fix the whole you know inexperienced barista it would fix restaurant coffee like it would just fix so many ills um i would really like to see that and it would it would take the focus away from the process of like we're obsessed with how we make coffee yeah and our customers aren't they're not they're they're they they couldn't care less (laughs) Yeah. It would um, also yeah. mean that you don't have a job anymore, which would be great. I will, I'm, a, I'm a published author. No, I'm a published <laughs> author. Yeah, and, and is, is that paying the bills and putting food on the table? 
published author. <laughs> oh dear, I love it. I love it. Um, something I saw, I can't remember where I saw it. Was it at USBC that they released the new Matter Grinder, or was it somewhere else? Uh, is this the filter one? Yeah, with the weird dial on the front and stuff. Is it? Oh, I haven't seen this. Tell me about it. So, I don't know, I was hoping you knew stuff about it. So, like, it's a new Mazda grinder that's got, like, a digital display on the front of it, and it's, like, it looks weird. It looks proper crazy. But I knew nothing about it apart from the photos I saw on the Instagrams um, that Mazda released this new grinder, so I can add nothing but a value to it. I thought you would know, being the grinder god. The gr- oh, I've been called worse than that. Have you? Uh, I see a picture of it here. That is crazy looking. It, it's really weird, isn't it? But I have no idea what it does. Anybody that's who knows what it does, can you please write into? Ta- but I'd love to hear. Um, like that's okay. That grinder was at was at host four. Like so, it's it's a filter grinder. It's kind of like EK forty three uh, esque. I suppose you'd say. So it has the it has the vertical burst set, which you know has the, the drop into it. Um, but it's uh, yeah, it's weird because Mazda are a strange company in the sense that like, have you ever met a Mazda salesman? Uh, I have a trade show, yeah, but yeah, they don't really like selling them. Yeah, they're just not engaged. But I suppose for a long time they just sold so many grinders. Yeah, um, I, and I think just they have historic accounts that still buy lots and lots of them, and they're not really bothered about the rest of the market. You know, it's yeah. Well, this one has fifty-eight mil flappers, um, and it was like it's able to grind for espresso and for filter and. So it seems to be attacking the EK43 market because the EK43 essentially has the market to itself in terms of like that kind of grinder. And the thing that will like, it's a weird thing about the EK43 because it's, people always say, oh, it's because of the grind profile or because, you know, well, they say it's less fines, but actually it's more fines. But I think that's, that's a whole different topic. But anyway, uh, so it's a unimodal grind profile and it's great for filter. But the real reason for the success of the EK43 grinder is that you can have a second coffee, a third coffee, a decaf coffee, a bag grinder, and a co- grinder for your filter coffee. That's five grinders in one. Mm. And for anyone setting up a coffee shop, uh, that's, that's a lot of saving. Yeah. Isn't that, a, isn't that a money-saving tip in your book, Colin, about uh, you should buy an EK for well, It's funny you should bring up my book. Uh, <laughs> um, every opportunity, mate, every opportunity. Seriously. Well, because we, we have the Lynn Weber grinder, and it's... Um, it's a great grinder. Makes good coffee. You can't grind a bag of coffee in it. No. You know. Uh, no, we've got the um, in uh, in hand. Uh, we've got um, the oh, what's it called? The the Baratza, Oh. Sete. Yeah, the sete, and you can't do a bag of coffee in that either. As we found out, it killed it killed the grinder. Oh yeah. wow. Yeah. So big thing. That. Like at our shop, we sell about like. I think 200 and 250 bags of coffee a week um, yeah. and they're I'd say 60-70% of them are ground yeah like people and the ground like as in they're whole being on the shelf and people give them to us and we grind them to see yeah. whatever it is they're brewing with um, so it's a big it's a big deal for coffee shops you know okay so I want to talk I'm going to go off to tangent because that's what Tampa Tantrum's about but yeah, um, it is so I, I remember about two years ago getting a little bit of heat online for doing ground coffee I actually got a tweet a couple of weeks ago from somebody saying, um, has been, does pre-ground, hashtag disappointed or something like that. Um, and I kind of got, I get a bit upset by it because, um, of course, I don't want people to take pre-ground coffee. I would much rather them have uh, whole bean and grind at home. But some people don't care enough to buy a grinder or some people don't have the money, kitchen space, whatever, to, to buy a grinder and still want to have good coffee. Um, and I, 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 I can't remember, I think it might have been, um, I think it was Tim Williams I was talking to about it. Um, and I was saying, like, the only reason we do it is that you're able to have a conversation. If you close your doors and say, oh, we don't do pre-ground, you can never have the conversation with the customer about how important having freshly ground is. Um, and it's really difficult to kind of, like, we look like real snobs when we just go, oh, you know, we don't do 
you know, great. For me, creates a whole heap of problems for the staff downstairs. It normally creates a whole heap of problems in shipping because the bag swells up and ends up not fitting through somebody's letterbox or gets burst or gets stuck in the val in the ziplock when thing. You, when you grind it. Yeah. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Yeah, we definitely find there's more of uh, more degassing uh, when we when we're grinding and they, they can go Makes kind sense. of balloon up. But um, I think it's really important to be able to offer somebody pre-ground if they don't have a grinder because you are introducing them to good coffee that is you know obviously aging quicker. Whereas if they buy pre-ground from the supermarket, they're buying bad coffee that has been aged even quicker and, and for longer normally. Um, so I'm interested yeah, to hear that you grind in the shop. Yeah, and it's actually, I've taken a bit of flack from people from that before. Uh, somebody once told me that uh, if you grind coffee for your customers, you're not a specialty coffee shop. Ooh. Uh, wow. It's a big claim. Yeah, seriously, yeah. Mm, so I said, well, maybe a specialty coffee shop is one with no customers. So yeah. it's like, that's, it's ridiculous. Like it's, and it's weird how people have their own little things that they think are important and then so somebody might say something I don't know like to us we have we've always have seal like you know the Ziploc seals in the bag yeah and then it's weird because you see other roasteries that just don't have that and you think oh that's but then you might do grinding for the cost customers and they won't you know what I mean so it's weird how yeah, yeah. like in general just like fuck it like I think you, you don't owe a duty of care to the specialty coffee industry I've always been a big I, proponent of that I think like if you have a shop or a roast you do, you do what you want I don't I don't I just, like, and I, sh- I think you're the same like you just sometimes if you're doing a TV show or something you might use it as a, a shortcut to thinking but like generally wouldn't identify as a specialty coffee shop or a specialty coffee roastery we're no. just a coffee shop and a coffee roastery and we do it the way we do it and that's it really I, I, I was having a conversation a couple of weeks ago about um Basically, like this whole snobbery and, and, and similar type things where you know, oh, well, we do this and you can't be specialty if you do that. And, like, tr- you know, if you try and conform to all of those rules, first of all, you paralyze yourself, but also you make yourself look like such dicks that the customers who don't care about it, they just want something nice, you shut them out and scare them off. And if you're saying the things that the echo chamber want to hear, they're your worst customers. Like you never want to target a specialty coffee roaster as one of your customers because they're roasting coffee already, or a specialty coffee shop owner. You know they're not going to come to your shop every day because they've got their own shop. Um, you know you really have to try and find a way of communicating with your customer and actually working with them to get them to a point that they understand that grinding is important, or that the water is important, or that the Ziploc and the packaging it comes in is important. You know, but if you just suddenly go from the off. Oh, well, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not talking to you. I just think it's just so so exclusive and so oh, inclusive. No, like, Steve, we see it all the time. Like there's people that come to a shop, and the great thing about selling retail coffee is that people just if you sell somebody a bag of retail coffee and you grind it for them, they're going to come back the week after. And usually when they come, they get a cup of coffee and a meal or something as well. So they're like, yeah. it's it's a repeat business, and you build a relationship with them, and it's amazing how you see people buying bags of coffee and they start to come back every week and get another bag and. And then one day, like, I'll walk in the shop and I'll see them there with a grinder in their hand and they're buying a grinder, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's the way it is, you know? Like, and people say, when should I get a coffee grinder? I'm like, well, when you notice the difference, you should get one. Yeah. If you don't, if you don't notice the difference and you're happy to, to drink coffee that we grind for you, then keep doing that until, until you notice that there's a big difference between the freshly ground stuff and, and the other stuff. And then at that stage, it's, it's, it's valuable to you. Otherwise, it isn't. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, for sure. For sure. I think it's, uh, it's very, very good advice. Um, yeah, I, I, I kind of really like just being more open about it and actually, if somebody, you know, I, we talk about the whole, we talk, I mean, it's past now, but in the past we've talked about like milk and sugar in coffee shops and all of those things and it's like, yeah, w- w- who makes the rules? If you have sugar in a coffee shop, I don't think that's a bad thing. Um, uh, you know, if you, people want milk in a, in a filter coffee, will you not serve them? Uh, no, we can milk. It's not yeah. a problem. That, that's exactly it's like it, it's, it's about empathising with your customers needs not sympathising with your own you know it's yeah kind of like usually what we do is if someone orders filter coffee and they ask for milk we give them the milk but then we give them a few minutes to come up and go and ask them how it is because sometimes they go oh it's actually really cold now we go oh or they'll say oh does it, 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 it's not that strong and then maybe it's like oh well like maybe you'd be better off getting an Americano because it'd probably be hotter and it'll have more strength so it'll come through the milk yeah. or invariably they just go it's really nice thanks yeah, yeah, um, and I think yeah. the, the thing of um, what's it um, at um, 
Blood of Cod Festival, we were doing the uh, Chemexes on the automatics and serving the coffees there. And somebody asked for milk, and we had got some, and it was like, can you just try it without first? And they tried it without first, and we're like, actually, I don't need any milk, this is great. And it was like, cool, <laughs> job's fixed, don't have to worry about that. Um, and, you know, it's a way that you approach that question. I think some people, you know how you can approach it, and other people, you just leave them to it and give them what they want. Um, but you've said it before, it's about reading people who come in and what they want from you and, and, and how to approach those things. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a difficult thing to do, but it's it's the most important thing. Yeah, no, that's good. So, what else has been happening in the world of Harmon? Uh, well, we're, we're we're getting ready for the new arrival. So we've got a baby on the way, as some of you might know. Uh, so another three weeks for them. So I've kind of like been spending the last few months trying to get everything in place before then. So we moved the roastery this year. Um, mm-hmm. So our wholesale team are moving there on Monday, which is like the last piece of that puzzle. It's not Fantastic. in any way ready. I'm just forcing everybody to do it. <laughs> so then we can, uh, things will happen faster when they're there. Um, that will force them to make it finished. <laughs> seriously, yeah. yeah. Uh, we opened Five Points, which is going really well. We're really happy with that. So um, That's a, a joint venture cafe that we, we got going. Um, our new website is getting launched in a few weeks' time. And um, the book is out. And then I finish college uh, next week. Uh, aside from a major paper that I have to submit, my, uh, next week is my last week in college. Fantastic. So I wouldn't know what to do with myself after that. Um, I think that's called baby time. Yeah, seriously. Um, but it's, yeah, it's been a busy five months, but I think front-loading it, so with, in anticipation of being able to do fuck all from now on, yeah. probably a good idea. How about Very you? Good. Um, you need to come to Dublin at some stage. I haven't seen you in ages. Yeah, no, it has, it's been a while. It has been a while. Uh, you need to do some more travelling. You, know, you don't think. travel enough. I've only done 34 flights so far this year. Yeah, I could do oh, with a few more. Um, that isn't, that's insane. Yeah, no, what's happened? Um, hand opened. Um, so uh, with uh, Pizzi at the helm. Um, hand is a pop-up in Uniglow in Oxford Street in uh, central London. Uh, opposite John Lewis. We're on the third floor. Um, it is has been and, so hand. But everything is hand-brewed. We're using the Kalitas that have been all handmade. Um, we are using teas that have been hand-picked. Um, we have a cups that have been hand-thrown. Our bra- bar that it's all set up on was handmade. Um, yeah, it's all very handy. <laughs> very um, nice. We're doing tasting flights of tea and coffee. Uh, three coffees every day that change every day. Um, so it's rotating around. There's always something new on bar. And... Um, yeah, it's been lots of fun. We've got a little bit of a retail section there. Has um, it rekindled the desire to have a coffee shop or oh has God, it made no. you feel like you're glad you don't? Well, I say Very you don't have a coffee shop, but you actually have four coffee shops. I do, but I don't have to fix them if the dishwasher breaks down. That's the good thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, 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 it's hard work. It really is hard work. And <clears throat> I think just getting people in the door. Also, sometimes you get customers that, they, they don't want to be your customers. Like, on the website, if they want to buy something from me, they want to be my customer because they've researched it and they've got time to look. And you don't stumble onto a coffee website and go, uh, coffee, please. But you do stumble <laughs> up to bars that are in clothes shops, for sure, and go... Is that not how we first met? I sent you an email saying, coffee, please. <laughs> yeah, it pretty much was. Um, but, like, you, there is that. I, I was working on the Sunday of Lon- London Coffee Festival there, and this kind of guy came up and just went, what are you doing? It was like, uh, <laughs> we're selling coffee. Um, oh, uh, yeah, I'll have a coffee. I was like, oh, what do you want? It's from this country, this country, this country. And he was like, you got any instant? And he's like, okay, um, we're at a problem here because you really don't want to buy my stuff. And I don't want to upset you or you make you think I'm a dick because I'm not listening to you, but I don't have what you need. It's like going into McDonald's and saying, "Can I have a, you know, a fillet steak and uh, a glass of rosé?" <laughs> you know, it's like it's not not going to happen, and, and I'm not going to give him what he wants, and he's going to walk away really disappointed. And I was like, I don't know how to deal with this. Like, I don't know how to fix this problem. I don't know how to not offend him. Um, yeah, it's it's weird. I suppose it's out of context. Like, I was talking to. Um Robin, who runs the shop for some Grand Canal Street, and she was telling me they did this event where they went to make coffee at this 
um, at this um, sh- uh, trade show. So somebody paid us to come and hand out free cups of coffee, you know. And so, like, Robin runs a coffee shop anyway, so she's used to making coffee and giving it to people. But when people do it through, come to a fee for coffee, they kind of understand what's happening. They get the yeah. coffee and it's grand. And there's a degree of, like, you know, like, like respect and, uh, you know, like, they understand what's happening and that's cool. But her and Ethna, who, were, who was working there with her as well, um, said that they both, they're, like, they would make some of the coffee and some of it would be like, that's really nice. <laughs> they were like, yeah, we know. <laughs> or like, oh, aren't you great? Like, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's like, this like, or they pour some latte art and someone would go, did you mean to do that? <laughs> and like, no, it just fell out of that joke. I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> Well, like it's, but you, it's you, must get pe- you must get people coming in the shop who kind of like come in with a friend or whatever and just don't understand how it works there must be elements of that too yeah I suppose but like people people are like sheep you know like if you well like if people um, if, if someone comes in and they've never been there before they just look around at what the other customers are doing and they just do what they do yeah it's I like guess. a lot of learned behaviour there you know it's I a, guess that's have you seen that, that video? This is way offline, but Jen isn't here, so I can do it. Have you seen that video where the woman comes into the doctor's surgery, and everybody else is an actor, but she isn't, right? And she um, she's sitting there, and there's all these hidden cameras, and this bell goes ding, and then everybody in the, in the waiting room stands up and then sits down, and she's looking around, going, "What the fuck?" And like twenty seconds later, it goes ding, and they all stand up and then they sit down. So this happens like four or five times, and then the sixth time it happens, they all stand up, and she just stands up as well and sits down, right? <laughs> and then one by one, everybody's kind of called to see the doctor until she's the last person there, right? And then the thing goes, ding, and she's by herself, and she stands up and <laughs> sits down, right? Now, this is the best bit, all right? Then uh, somebody else comes in, who's also an actor, right? But comes in, and then the thing goes, ding, and she goes, uh, she st- stands up and sits down. And they go, what are you doing? And she's like, oh, you have to stand up when the bell goes. And then he <laughs> goes, all right. And then he goes, ding, and he stands up. And then somebody else comes in who isn't an actor, and then they start doing it too. It's amazing. <laughs> I don't know how you're going to Google that, but, like, just Google uh, the lady that stands up when the ding goes and then somebody else comes along and then they're not an actor and then she's an actor. No, the other people are actors, but she's not an actor. Ding. Very, very helpful, I'm sure. I'm sure people will find it. Dot com. Um, dot com. You're good with the internets, aren't you? Uh, I kind of think... Uh, yeah, no, it is interesting. That, like, I think the whole thing with hand is that there isn't people to follow there as well. Like, because it's... <laughs> No, no, because it's very much like it's a one-on-one kind of thing. So people go and sit down. There's some chairs, but there's not like... There's four chairs, four big reclining chairs and a bar, and that's it. So some people might be standing by the bar when they come to the tasting, or somebody might be sitting down, but there's probably 20 other people who are shopping, you know? So, like, who do you follow? Because there's different people doing different stuff in there. You may not see the people sitting down, or you may see the people shopping, and I, I, yeah, the, the the rules are a lot harder to understand. Yeah. Are you enjoying it? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's how, fun. How long is it going for? It's been about six weeks, and we've got another six weeks left. Um, and there's an option at the end to carry it on, but uh, you know, I, I break news early, they probably won't, just because it's really tough with, you know, staffing it and it being so far away. And it was meant to be a, you know, a pop-up, and then pop-up shouldn't stay. You know, pop-up should pop-up and pop-off. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, the is the guy who came in one day, he was a chef, and he was in the shop, he goes, oh, I had a pop-up restaurant in Dublin once. I was like, really? He goes, yeah, it wasn't, wasn't meant to be a pop-up, it just didn't last very long. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you, sir, are getting free coffee for your hilarious gags. Yeah, but I, that, that's the thing, he wasn't meant to stay long. It was like, it, it, uh, it was some fun. Like, will we have covered costs? Maybe, maybe not. You know, but have we learnt lots and had lots of fun with it? And would I like to do something again in a, a a similar or different kind of situation? Yes, I think that that's the beauty of the 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 new brand of of hand. It can be has been and anybody. Um, yeah. And um, I'd like to do something. I think in the future with it. Here, Steve. I was thinking today. I was thinking about you today, Steve. Oh, good. Thank I was, you. I was doing um. I was doing an interview with a national radio station because I'm a mm. published author. <laughs> and um, they, he was asking me where the idea for the book. Did I mention the book? You haven't mentioned the book, not okay, often. Yeah. So, but I was telling them that about the, the very first temper tantrum, and I believe the first temper tantrum talk was the one I did on what I know about running a coffee shop. It was. And how 
like and that even that show itself as as well as the book were like incidences where tamper tantrum the podcast kind of like forced me into doing something you know what i mean like got yeah. me into trouble and said oh you know what we should do and then we and it's like oh, fuck we have to do that now um i feel like you know there's another one of them coming you know because i had to, like the book really did come from from a conversation off the back of tamper tantrum and then that show itself was on the conversation on the back of tamper tantrum yeah and like i feel like you know the we should do something. We should do something and like go, oh, we're going to do this and then hang up and be like, fuck, why did I say we do that? Like what? I don't know. Maybe people should email us and ask us to do something or, I don't know. Maybe we could open a Korean barbecue restaurant somewhere. Mm, no. No? How about we have... Uh, does it have to? Know. It has to be coffee oriented, though, doesn't it? Okay, we have roasters wrestling. No, has anyone tried coffee throwing? Has that been? <laughs> no? Shh, shh, oh, sh- oh, sorry, <clears throat> sorry. sorry, sorry. <clears throat> Move on. I'm really sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean that. I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> Did you waste the coffee, Colin? That was another example of of something that. Yeah. yeah. We should but never, ever have ideas. You've just managed to talk me out of what you were trying to talk me into. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you something, Steve, right? And mark my words, as a published author, I can give you my absolute word that in the next few weeks, you're going to agree to do something, and then it's going to dawn on you afterwards that you're like, oh, fuck, we've done it again. Okay, I'm up for I that. I promise that's going to happen. Okay, let's not tell Jen. What's the horizon got in store for you? Uh, I am in the UK Brewers' Cup semi-final on Saturday. Whoop, whoop. Which I'm scared about. Wait, as in tomorrow? No, as in... No, because this is going out on Monday. You've just ruined it, Colin. Oh. Well, people, people don't think it's live, Steve. Yeah, they do. <laughs> it's like that we're waiting basic <laughs> breath, and when they press play, we start talking. <laughs> yes, we are. John James. I mean, Sarah, yeah, we are. Yeah. Simon... Yeah. Frederick. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, I, I don't have any coffee and it's less than, a, well, it's seven days away. They um, always pick a good time for coffee competitions, don't they? They do. They do. Uh, I actually have lots of new arrival coffees, but, like, nothing that... I, I, so I painted myself into a corner with um, this the, my first round performance by saying that I was going to win this competition without a geisha because geishas are stupid and for losers. Um, <laughs> Actually, history shows they're for winners, Steve. <laughs> That's the awkward thing. They're not the real winners. <laughs> <laughs> they're the actual winners. <laughs> Colin, as we well know, fourth place is the real winner. It's Darn uh, Tootin. Darn Tootin. Uh, now, it, it, I, I, so I, I'm, I'm just struggling to find something. I was re- so the coffee I competed with was a pre-shipment sample from Anasora in Ethiopia, which was freaking amazing. Um, but I only had enough to do the first round with thinking I wouldn't make it through I thought oh well I'm going to use this and show off um, I did air freight some coffee out of Nicaragua but I, I had three roasts of it um, I, the first roast I did of it which was for um, you're going to have to say yeah Etna um, I, I, I like how you're not pronouncing your H's that's great that's the yeah. proper way Etna that's how okay. you do it in Dublin <laughs> um, I, um, I nailed her roast and then when it came to do my roast managed to murder it and I only have one roast left, so I thought there's no point taking this to semi-finals with one roast because I can't do anything with it afterwards. So maybe I have another go at that. But um, that was great. I tried that; it was really, really good. Yeah, no, it's fantastic coffee and loved it. And um, yeah, was very keen to use it, but it's just yeah, I've, I, I have one roast left, and that's it. You um, know, what we could do we could do what uh, what I know about brewing ca- Pacamaras. Yeah. Go into everything from how it's processed to how it's roasted to how it's brewed. But the one thing about Pacamaras is you dare not over-extract them because they're just, you know... You can yeah, under-extract you mu- them. You can, there's, a, there's, a, there's quite a wide spectrum of flavour in, in under-extracting it. Mm. Uh, but over-extracting it, it's just a world of pain. Mm. You might like one of my ideas that came up, but I've dismissed it now so I can talk about this on the podcast. But I was going to go and do... You know, the judges aren't allowed to even respond to you in Brewers' Cup. But there's nothing to say that the audience can't. So what I was going to do was take a bag of 3FE, a bag of drop and a bag of has-been and go, so audience, showing your hands, which one would you like me to use? 3FE, 3FE. <laughs> like, yes, has-been it is. 
Uh, no, you're choosing the wrong one. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I've no idea what I'm going to do. I have no performance. I have no preparation, and it's a week away, so I'm starting to panic a little bit now. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll see how that goes. That's on the horizon. Um, are you going to Budapest? Hey, I'm on my hoop. You're. <laughs> Sorry, uh, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> you're on your what? <laughs> I'm not going to um, to Budapest. No. What did you say first off, though? <laughs> it's recorded. I can play it back, Cole. It's, I said I am on my hoop. What does that mean? Uh, it means kind of like I am. I can my whole I am. I suppose it's the. Oh, okay. In English, in England. Yes. In England. Yes. yes. In England, yeah. you can say that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, yeah. I wasn't planning on going, but when I win the Brewers' Cup, I guess I'm going to have to. Wow. Representing. If I do, mate, if I do, like, by some freaking crazy miracle, manage to win the UK Brewers' Cup and I go to that, am I allowed to introduce myself as MC? <laughs> <laughs> it's got to yeah, be, hasn't it? It'll be like, uh, it'll be like and up next, uh, Brewers, or the Brewers' Cup champion of the United Kingdom, Stephen Layton. And you'll be like, thank you very much. <laughs> it's wonderful to be here. <laughs> I'd love... I'd love to do the results. Like, <laughs> yeah, open, open the <laughs> that'd be amazing. Oh, anyway, this is getting really rambly and really weird. I'm guessing I'm we should make now. Yeah, Jen's gonna hate it. She's really, really gonna hate it. I'm really sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez, people are just not listening anymore. Carl. They've all gone. They've oh, all gone. Is that the problem? Oh. There's nobody left to sell a book to. Okay. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> Thank you for listening earlier and going ten minutes ago. Thank you for uh, fast-forwarding to the end. <laughs> <laughs> we promise episode 80 will be better. Goodbye. Bye. Over and out. Bye.